Hello, and welcome to Successful, Single, and Not Willing to Settle, the podcast, where we show amazing women how to attract the perfect partner for them by embracing and showcasing their authenticity. Hello, Jen. Hello, Amy. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm enjoying the summer. It's a little hot, but I'm managing. How are you? I'm good. When I asked, when I said hello, Jen, it made me think there's a camp cheer that goes, I say, hey, Jen, and you say, yeah, and I say, hey, Jen, yeah. I don't know this one. Hands up high and feet down low. That's the way we something, something, some. Sing something, 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 something. It's I'm totally. We did not it. sing this one at Oklahoma camp. Oh, uh, we need to go back there and teach these ladies <laughs> all this wonderful cheering that we do in Jersey. And I was going to say, is that a New York cheer or like a Jersey cheer? I don't know. Well, I worked at camp for a couple of summers, so I'm I'm not quite placing where it's coming from. Which memory? Okay. I feel like it might be a camp Jersey camp. But it might have okay. also been in New York. I can't remember. But hmm. um, now I'm going to have to, if anyone listening knows that cheer, otherwise I'm going to have to now figure it out off camera and come back and like put it in the notes. Yeah. We're going to need listeners to like geolocate that cheer. Yes. Like where does it come from? Hands up. Totally high. send us a recording of you doing the cheer. I, I think... What's going into my head is that your hands up high, your feet down low, and that's the way we gigolo, but there's no way that was a camp one. That sounds like a song from like the 90s. Um, gigolo. Oh, so I don't think they said gigolo, but like to the Tootsie Roll? Was it to the, ah, to the, that's to the Tootsie Roll? roll. Tootsie <laughs> Roll. Tootsie Roll. I could do the Tootsie Roll, but you guys won't get to see it if you're listening to our podcast. I did it with my hands <laughs> That's what you do with your Is that the Tootsie Roll? I think it's... I'm totally wearing pajama pants. Just letting you know. But anyway, it's like... Can you kind of see what my legs are doing? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not have known those are pajama pants. I would have thought they were like linen pants. Nope. They're PJ pants. I have the the professional mullet outfit on. Speaking Um, of which, when we saw... When we saw on today's episode, this episode that the new Bachelor interviewed on Good Morning America with just his blazer, blazer and a shirt on, and yeah, his he underwear. He does it too. He does it too. He totally um, I'm, I'm in full mullet mode as well. Um, I don't know that my shirt's that professional, but um, it's a it's a nice top. And then I'm wearing my maternity compression workout, like capri leggings Fantastic. that i'm currently living in as it should be as <laughs> like it every be. day <laughs> we're, we're down all, we're like, all though jen we're all living in three outfits right now okay. like, to be <laughs> well i'm down to like the three pairs of bottoms because i can't even say pants that that fit right the three pairs of something that you put over your underwear yes <laughs> Um, So today, guys, we are going to talk about episode four, JoJo season, um, in the greatest seasons ever of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Um, And I think we're going to dive right in. What do you think, Jen? Should we just Yeah, let's let's go for it. Okay. 
So I thought it was funny that Chris made Josh actually turn around and smile at the camera twice during this episode. Like he yeah. must be getting like feedback that like your your son looks like you are torturing him to be there. So like yeah, you turn around it. and like I've heard other people say, but even the the turnaround and smile felt, felt awkward. So yeah. forced. <laughs> but I think it always, whenever whenever you get a cameraman on camera, they always look awkward. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, he might love it. Josh might be loving it, but like we, his job is not to be in front of the camera; it's to be behind it. So when you put him in front, he's going to look out of place. Right. Um, right. And then the other thing that I just wanted to point out was there was one point, um, it's just in my notes here, the, another awkward Chris and Josh interaction, which I thought was hilarious. What was, was when, it? I'm trying to remember who the guys were, but it was, it was two guys. Oh, it was, it was Daniel, whose job is being a Canadian. Yeah. Like, that's all it says under his, he's the Canadian. I'm like, okay, but what, does he do anything? He's just, <laughs> he just, he just is a Canadian. Well, Daniel did a lot. Like, I'm a, I, I, look, I look forward to talking about Daniel because it was a, Daniel's edit is amazing. Like, so Daniel, so Dan, it's Daniel and is it Evan? Evan, the yeah. child dysfunction guy. Yeah. And Daniel says he's wearing like a towel around him, and he says to Evan, like, "I'm not wearing any. I'm not wearing a bathing suit. I'm not wearing a bathing suit." And Dan, and Evan's trying like to not look. And then he yeah. comes up, he, he takes up the towel and we see he's actually wearing a bathing suit, but then he like rubs up on Evan, like behind him. And Evan's like, oh my God, I, I'm going to die. And then he turns <laughs> around and he sees that he's actually wearing a bathing suit. What college did you go like, You're right. <laughs> I didn't even put two and two together that like, that was not my college experience. <laughs> no, nor would I want it to be. I will <laughs> say there, this is like such a side note and I'm like embarrassed to tell you this story, but in, in, so in college, I was in a sorority, and we did this philanthropic like event that lasted all week. And all of the male, especially male fraternities, but that's a tautology because obviously, if they're fraternities, they're male. But all the frats had to compete to win points. And by the end of this competition, it was like every point was like a dollar, and there were donations and whatever. So we had like, um, like a, a miss it or a mr oklahoma state and we had like all this stuff you know like a pageant for men and a serenade contest well one night a couple of these frats decided to come over and somehow get inside our house and like run around and wake us all up and sing us songs and like do all this ridiculous stuff and one of the houses came over completely naked except for socks Oh, no. On their private parts. Oh. Oh. So that was your college experience. So yeah, like maybe that's why I was like, yeah. That also was probably the most traumatizing experience of my whole life. You know, I always ask that question, like, you know, when you go into a bathroom stall, okay, in I'm getting somewhere with this that has to do with this, <laughs> but you know when you when you are at like the beach or at a pool and you're wearing a full one bathing suit and you go into the bathroom stall, so like you're like have to get completely undressed. Yeah. When I was little, I was in one of those stalls in like the beach and it didn't lock. And I have a memory like someone opened 
the door. Yeah. So I always think about who is it more traumatizing for? Was it more traumatizing for me who, who endured it, like who it happened to, or the person who saw everything? Like, I wonder for you guys, like who was more traumatized, the guys that came with socks <laughs> or you guys having to see it? It's so true. That's a really good question. Um, and I've had that experience as an adult on both sides where like the bathroom doesn't lock, someone walks in or like you walk in. I think it's more traumatizing to be, be the one that walks in, I think in so that too. scenario. Cause you have because, no visual. Yeah. And, and like you feel at fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, I think that my college experience, it's reverse because I was woken up by this experience. Whereas the men were like, probably had had like alcohol and were, were drunk or buzzed or whatever. But like, they were fully aware of what they were going to do. But they chose to do it. Like the walking in yeah. on the bathroom stall is like you you have you're not like going in and being like, oh you're in there, good. Ah, you know? Yeah. Like so I yeah, think yeah. Like, you guys seeing it would be more traumatizing than them doing it because they like chose to do it. Yeah. And it was it was like three o'clock in the morning and okay. the sound of people woke me up and then I come out and like that's what you see. It's crazy. <laughs> like it was like nightmare proportion. But, oh my god! All right. But I'm okay. You I'm know, glad to hear you survived it. People can heal. <laughs> so today for this episode, I have it split like stuff with like Wells and Sarah. Then I have a whole thing on Chad. During the episode, I texted Jen and I was like, "We could do three hours on just Chad." Like, yeah. we're going to be bringing Chad up every time we talk about a narcissist. I feel like moving forward, it's going to be Chad. Mm-hmm. Um, There's another one that to me has some narcissistic tendencies too. So I'm curious to hear what you think about that particular person when they come up. Interesting. I have a little bit on Evan um, with when it pertains to Chad, to be honest. I didn't find okay. him that interesting. Um, and then I go to, oh my God, I'm still talking about Chad. <laughs> Derek, Luke, Chase. So the last two, Robbie and Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I tried to get better. So we're going to kind of fly through, I guess, the guys and talking about it. I liked it. Um, I found I liked it much better, obviously, in the beginning that they didn't have two girls that they were or women that they were picking between. Like, don't do that. That's just that was a stupid idea. Don't do that again. I'm like reprimanding them. Don't do it again. Or you're going to get a timeout. They're not going to listen to you. They're probably going to continue to do dumb shit. But I will say, um, Caitlin and Jojo come off as confident, um, secure in themselves. Um, They're funny. You know, they're like not afraid to kind of goof off and, and be authentic. And obviously those things are so important to you and I. So um, I really love that those have been two of the women that we get to kind of like watch yeah. um, through this process. Um, coming into the later weeks of this like recap series, um, they're gonna show us some women probably that I didn't feel as strongly uh, a positive connection or feeling towards. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I just week, wanted to say. Yeah, and next week um, they have 
the first of both. It's a double header. Yeah. So I'm curious for us to see how, I guess, in line with what I just said, I'm curious to rewatch Trista's season and see how the portrayal of Trista um, works for me or doesn't work for me. I will tell you when they showed the preview, we have come a long way in fashion and plastic surgery since yeah. this all started. Like, and who they chose for the first Bachelor, like, I didn't think it's, he was no. that good looking at all. Like, I was confused. And it, they almost looked like out of the 80s. It felt so dated to see, like, the wedding dress. And, like, I don't know. There's so many. I things. think that's why they're only doing an hour of each because it's almost like going to be painful to watch. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, maybe we'll, we'll assess, yeah, what they're. So it's not longer next week. It's just. No, I think it's like an hour and a half or hour of both. Good, because I'll tell you, Jen, when I thought I was going to have to watch like a double header this week, I was like, oh. <laughs> so my son walked in when I was watching this and he's like, what's this? And I was like, everything you should not do when you're yeah. dating someone. Like I basically had to let him know to not really take any notes here and not let it get into his little brain, you know, mm -hmm. of what he should be doing. So where do you want to start? Um, well, I have Wells first because I think he came up first. Does it does it work to talk about him? Absolutely, yeah. I have him okay. and Sarah Highland, yeah. who he's engaged to, and I think they're mm -hmm. adorable together. I I wrote the same. I was like freaking love this guy, love this relationship, and I even wrote like some comparisons between this relationship and others that we've seen. Oh, um, in the in the like where are they now segment of the show. Um, so I can jump into that or we can kind of talk about Wells on the show and then after that talk about his relationship with Sarah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I just have my notes here. What I will say is I, I'd love to talk about them, the two of them together. Yeah. And I would love to talk about Chris and what Chris was trying to do by reviewing his season and like the way that he, he interacted. So... Let's first talk about them. How, why? Why? Okay. Why do you think we watched it for like what were they on? All soup to nuts, probably like seven minutes together, probably even less what, that we got of them. And I felt authenticity from them. I thought they were really great at supporting each other. So, what? Where do you think we got that from? Um, well, I think one thing that I really loved is their relationship is playful. Yeah. It it felt like we were kind of in on what their daily life is like together. Um, you know, it didn't feel like they were on, quote unquote, like, okay, we have to record to so make sure you do this and make sure I do this and whatever. It just felt very natural. Um, you know, Chris kept trying to make Wells come off as awkward and he was like, more awkward moments with Wells, you know, stay tuned for the worst moment with Wells. And Sarah was like, so excited to see it all out of a place of love, like, because she finds him adorable. So seeing kind of the person you love before you know them is a really endearing kind of like, it, it makes your heart kind of like pitter patter, like, oh, what are they like before I knew them? And I loved that. We got that from her, that from her. 
that Wells was really cute about he was getting a little bit embarrassed, but he was, and that's the thing that I was saying about Chris. I think he was trying to do it in all fun, but what he, what Chris found funny was trying to emasculate Wells and like the things that he was pointing out that, that would make, he was using like, it was kind of like a, oh, see how he looks like a wimp here. How Like it was kind of like, he was trying to emasculate him, but I thought the things that he was pointing out were really like authentic and endearing things, you know? So yeah. Was, and, and he called Chris out. What did he say? I don't remember. He, so he, I wrote, and this is possibly my own interpretation. He said, I wrote calls Chris out for being an asshole and making him feel like a complete dud. And he said, it's like, you're shocked. I have a girlfriend, much less a fiance. Oh, I and, didn't hear that. Good for Yeah, and, and I wrote like, yes, Chris likes to boil people down to their simplest form. Yeah, and at um, the very end, he, and I love that Sarah came to his support as well and was almost yes. like confused by Chris. So Chris says, obviously, he didn't come across as a great lover on The Bachelorette. And I wrote, ew. Um, and then he asks Sarah, is he a good sis is he a good kisser? And when he says he didn't come across as the, the best lover, she was like, shocked and then like laughing at him like like what about this made him not have anything to do with what kind of lover he was you know right chris told her she needs to defend your lover quote unquote Again, emasculating right so there's yeah. there's but it's because chris seems to reward or blow up or like um they still think in very like cartoony, archaic representations of what a man is. Mm -hmm. And I would so much rather have a Wells than a Chad. I mean, that's for sure. Well, and that's what Sarah said. Um, Wells said, <laughs> I realized that, that what put me um, back or behind was that I, he says, I was like, hey, what's your middle name? Instead of pouncing on her every chance I got. Yep. And Sarah speaks up at this moment and says, that's what I liked about him. Right. If he was one of those guys, I wouldn't have been intrigued by him. I thought it was nice that he wanted to get to know her before he kissed her. Yes, so Wells is a good example of somebody who is awesome and because of his awesomeness, didn't make it far in the show. Yeah. Kind of like what we're talking about, like, oh, if we were on it, we would just be hanging out with each other and we'd probably get the boot pretty early. But like, you know, and that's that's interesting too, to hear that on The Bachelorette, you're getting essentially pounced on, you know, yeah. who can pounce faster. Um, but I did love when Chris said that thing about whether he's a good kisser, Sarah responds, like, without even a hesitation, he's the best. So she's there to support him. She does not see or even really hear what's really going on with Chris because she loves Wells. So, or that's that's the vibe at least I got that it was just she wasn't even it wasn't even getting she wasn't even offended. She just wasn't it just wasn't making sense to her. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what happens when people say things about The Bachelor that are great to Chris. He doesn't hear it because he's so in love with the show, right? So she, this is a good place for it to be when you're in love with somebody who actually treats you nice and. Right. 
I, I, do, I feel like they come out as one of the model couples in all of this, um, that there is just the, like this authentic vibe between them, even at the end when she's like saying goodbye and she's like, everyone register to vote. And he's like, she got it in there. Yeah, she puts it in. Um, <laughs> like, the other thing that having to do with Wells that I did want to talk about was um, when Jojo writes the card, it's not so much about Wells, but it kind of is. When Jojo writes the card telling him to kiss her because he hadn't, he was the last one to kiss her. Um, I thought it was a really interesting reaction from the guys, their perception of what happens because Jojo got to the point where she, she kind of let, she came right out and let Wells know that she wants him to kiss her, right? And right. the guys' reactions, I thought they were saying, um, it's not necessarily that he doesn't want to kiss her, but there's all this pressure now to do it, which I thought was so interesting to hear that perception because they're, you know, especially working with strong women, there's like the, we don't want to play a game. So like, if we want a guy to do something or whatever, we want, sometimes we want to come forward and, and tell them, right? Like you, instead of playing a round of something where you're like acting coy or whatever, um, and it's not, what I thought was interesting, it was insightful for me because it wasn't that Wells didn't want to kiss her or that these guys wouldn't want to kiss her. But once it's like said, there's, it feels like pressure and they're like, oh, it better be the best kiss she's ever had in her entire life because now she's telling him to. And that's a flaw in their mindset. So what I see happening in relationships is that women want something and then they tell the guy that they want it. And then he doesn't do it. And then they get even more pissed because they're like, I freaking spelled it out for you. And you still can't freaking do this. Like I've, I know divorces that have happened because it's like, I told, I asked you to, or I told you that I wanted you to make a dinner reservation for us or, you know, tell me that you love me or call me before you go to bed. And now you just won't do it. And I wonder how much of it is like, internalizing this pressure now that you've been told that you're not going to be able to do it well or the right way and you shy away from it because it feels like too much yeah i i like how much of it was that you wanted to do it before but now that someone's told you it it feels like it's not coming from you that yeah. you're doing it because it's perfunctory um, now what i yeah when i when I heard that, that that's where their mindset was going. And it doesn't mean that every guy thinks that way, but it's insightful to hear that that's where some of their heads go. What I would say is that there's work to do there because a woman communicating with you what, how she's feeling or what she wants is not meant to be pressure. It's actually yeah. supposed to help. And that's their own stuff to peel through. If that, if that um, kind of paralyzes them in a way there's work to be done there. It's not now the woman's job to not use her voice to share things. Although I will say in this case, Jojo could have kissed Wells. That's the workarounds, right? You don't have to say, kiss me, kiss me. You have to kiss me. Why am you kiss me yet? It's just like, you lean in. Right. <laughs> Make yourself available. Like, you know, yeah. you, she, I mean, how, how, how many opportunities, really opportunities were there or were these guys like grabbing her face and like making her, you know, I don't know. Well, and that's kind of the way 
it sounded or felt at times um, that, you know, the, the obviously Wells used the word pounce, that the guys were pouncing on her. Um, and I kind of want to lean in to one specific person who was commenting on the fact that Wells hadn't kissed her yet, which is Robbie. Mm -hmm. um, he said, he's been put on the spot and if it's not everything it's supposed to be, she's going to be disappointed. But this was interesting to me because Robbie was one of the guys teasing Wells about it. So it's like, he's adding to the pressure, but then he's like commenting about how oh, Wells feels so pressured, but like you're part of the problem. He couldn't, he like couldn't see that he was creating or adding to the situation that puts Wells in a position of feeling like awkward. Yeah, they were all, I mean, a lot of them were, were contributing. Yeah. And that's how, but that's, that's interesting because it's also, I think the banter amongst men when it comes to stuff and sharing what's going on. Like there, it was a lot of like, that scene was a lot of what felt like locker room talk. Like they mm -hmm. were busting his balls basically. Um, and that's not a helpful way to go about it. But I think he, he saw the in to do that because he saw it as being such a problem that, that she had to ask before he's actually done it. So I think yeah. Robbie, like, he had a reason to be like, oh, look at you, because he saw a problem there. If someone else was like, oh, you just didn't, you, the timing wasn't right, like, you wouldn't be busting him up for that. Yeah, it, I mean, and, and I, I just felt like it was really mature of Wells to, like, with, while with all of the guys, be like, so this is the situation. Like, it was you so know, mature. He, he put himself out there, and... Right. If there was authenticity and, mm -hmm. and when we're authentic, we are just unapologetic for choices that we've made. You right. know, it just is what it is. And Chad, um, why was I saying Chad? Because Chad, he was like, oh, I'm more mature than most of the guys here. And was like, every chance he got, he was like, you know, kind of separating himself and like trying to stick out and all that other stuff saying that he was like above everybody. But when I really kind of think about the maturity that we saw, I feel like Wells was the one. He was just in a more accepting place of himself, a more self-realized place. Um, mm -hmm. At least that's how it came across to me when I yeah. watched this. Um, I so. feel like you you gave us a good segue to talk about Chad. And I know we, we yeah, both let's talk about Chad. have a lot to say. Um, so first of all, I want to talk about the fact that Chad apparently pissed Chris off by saying something like, have you ever been told off by Chad? Well, listen, if you haven't, or if you have, it's no shocker, get in line. So it was definitely Chris's motivation because apparently Chad like chewed him out at one point also. Yeah. I just want to say that you could definitely see that it was, it was Chris's motivation to annihilate Chad's character during these segments, like rip him apart. So I don't, I didn't see the original season, although this, and then the fact that like, I just, I sent to Jen that in February he got um, arrested for domestic abuse and robbery because he took the girl, his girlfriend's cell phone apparently when she tried to call 911. So that was where the robbery charge was from, um, was not shocking. And I definitely think that there were issues there with Chad, but 
there was not going to be, there were not going to be two sides to this story. Like Chris was like filling up the segment with anybody who would talk shit about Chad. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was the same, you know, it's interesting if we're going to talk about our, our podcast episode last week and compare it to this week, Olivia got the same kind of treatment that Chris wanted to give Chad. Like he, he seems to pick someone every week, you know, and, and, and basically make them look ridiculous. Right. But Olivia came on and was able to speak. And I don't even think he reached out to Chad. He was not even, he didn't say like, we reached out to Chad to tell his part and he wasn't interested in coming on the show. There was none of that. Like Chris was just like, we're just going to like rip him apart. Like Olivia at least be, was able to come on and be like, I'm in a really good place. I've learned a lot of stuff. I have a great, po-. she was able to plug her podcast. Like there was room for another side of the story. There was one side and maybe there's only one side with Chad. I mean, he did come across as extremely hostile, closed off, roid ragey, narcissistic. Like there was like a gamut of issues that I was seeing. Um, and again, I don't know him. I don't know him. I mean, it can't, I will tell you the things that were super concerning um, that I saw. Um, so why don't we, why don't we talk about like the red flags we saw in Chad? Cause I think it's a good thing for us to kind of notice um, yeah. and for our viewers to listen to um, or our listeners to listen to. So even in the very, they kept showing him like, like heavy lifting like when he tied the bag to his belt buckle and you saw like the muscles like going down like his sides and it was just kind of like, what is happening? Like what's going on here? Um, and there was a lot of violent um, conversations. What was really interesting is that you also saw him flip in the way that he acted with Jojo as opposed to how he was in the house. And that was really, really interesting because if you... It was one. It was one benefit for being on The Bachelorette because she got the feedback from all the other guys of like get get out. Like he's this is a dangerous person that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were just dating this guy. You know, I mean, I don't think he hit it that well, but like, or the show didn't hide it that well. When he was, they, when he was talking to her when she finally got rid of him on that yeah. two person date, two to one date with Alex, which was amazing that they put them on a date together because all they kept showing were clips of Alex saying how much he freaking hated Chad. And like, what yeah. was, like Chad said something, Alex. Chad something, Alex. You know, it was just back and forth. And um, that's usually how the two-on-one dates go, is it's like down to the two guys who hate each other or the two women who've like been catfighting the whole time. Okay, I um, know that about... Yeah, that but, but I agree with you in that we saw some of those... Um, sort of trademarks of narcissism were like before one of the rose ceremony like parties he surprises her outside with like two champagne flutes and a bottle of champagne so he can talk to her and kiss her you know he finds these moments to show that he's a stand-up guy or that he's here for her um, and and yet then we see these other things. So that was, that was a huge red flag that like he does seem to be different in her presence alone than he is with the other guys. Yeah, and that's where when we talk about like narcissism and that kind of thing, 
that's something to be weary of when it's like, oh, he did this for me and this for me. And, and he's, he's showing me, he doesn't care if he's like push guys out of the way, but he's going to do that so he can be able to talk to me. Like though that's, mm -hmm. that's, if you're, if you're the person you're seeing has a lack of common courtesy to other human beings in order to get to you, that's not a good sign. Yeah. And I think that the other one that kind of really sticks out is when, when obviously Chad is one person with her and then a different person with the other guys. But then when both of those forces are together and he's on a group date, he doesn't know how to act. Hi guys, it's Amy. It's time for a sponsor break. We'll be back very, very shortly. See you then. So, yeah, so that's when he's supposed to compliment her. He's supposed to like, they're in a competition. He's supposed to say something nice about her and he can't think yeah. of anything. And she's like, what is wrong? Like, come on, you're on a show. Like, get it together. And when she like teases him a little about it, he tells her that she's a nag. Yep. Cause all so, the guys are there. Yes. A hundred percent. And the same with the two on one, there's like a, there's a, he doesn't know how to act either. Cause it's, it's such a vast difference in those two settings. And he, he, he can't, he and he's the other thing that we got at least from the side notes which she didn't necessarily get was just where he was just so sure that he was like miles ahead of or way so much more of a catch than all these other guys he just knew it um and then yeah when he calls her a nag i was like <laughs> and if you guys haven't heard we we have a well, it's our review for how to lose a guy in 10 days, but we go into this whole thing, like, what does it mean if he calls you a nag? What does it mean if he calls you a bitch? What does it mean if yeah. he calls you needy? Like, what is actually being said there? And none of those things are good. Um, and um, so the other thing I wanted to point out was the Evan with, I mean, that was just the way that the guys reacted to him was fascinating also. When Evan did the stand-up. Yeah. Thing. And um, so Evan comes up, Evan's this erectile dysfunction doctor, and he comes up and he does this whole presentation on like doing why not to do steroids. It's like a PSA kind of of why not to do steroids. And he starts saying like, these are some of the side effects. And he starts to describe like the muscles that go down and like ribbons on your, on your body or whatever, which he's basically just describing Chad. And then he's like, and you might say things that you don't want to say in the heat of the moment, like calling a woman a nag or whatever. And then Chad like physically retaliates afterwards. Yes. And then like punches a like cement door. Like, well, first he pulls uh, Evan's Evan, shirt. Yeah. He yeah. pulls out the back of Evan's shirt. Yeah. And then punches the door and then like throttles his throat, right? Whose throat? He doesn't touch Evan other than the shirt. Doesn't he like come up to his neck and like poke him in the neck or like, like, I don't, I don't know, but he like almost comes up to him with his hand out on his neck. I don't remember that. I don't know. And the only thing Evan tells Chris is that his shirt got ripped from what I saw. Yeah. So it's possible, whatever it is, he gets physical and his whole like dialogue 
when he gets upset is like that he wants to like beat the shit out of somebody or he needs to go lift weights if he wants to avoid beating the shit out of somebody. Um, and for you guys who listen to Bravo or watch Bravo shows, if you watch Vanderpump Rules, like he is such a jax. Like, so there's the main character. I know you don't watch it, Jen, but there's a main- No, but I know who this guy is. I get Us Weekly emails, so I see his picture. So basically, <laughs> Jack, I mean, this is the same kind of thing where like, there, the, where no matter what is being said, he has a justification for it and he's never at fault. And it's everybody else pinning. So his whole inner story is that these guys just have it out for him and have been pushing him. And it's interesting because you do see the guys pushing him. I mean, if somebody implied on national television that I was taking drugs, I'd be a little pissed afterwards. Like Evan coming up and being like, Roy Rage and this must be Chad, you know, he just made a really big accusation on national television about Chad's character, which would piss me off. Although I wouldn't threaten somebody because the, the you know, I guess, but, Ch but Jax lives under the same um, inflated sense of self that like, if anybody says something, if anybody ever points anything out to him or says anything to him, they are always wrong. And they're always just like attacking him. He goes into like, why are you always attacking me mode? You know, why are you all coming for me mode? There's never any self-reflection of like what his part is in it. Which is part of a narcissism's personality is like they see themselves as the victim of other people's uh, interactions with them. Yeah. And, and, and we see that with Chad too. Um, you know, almost to the point where when you're watching a show like this or Vanderpump Rules and you're seeing the person be like, I didn't do anything wrong you know, people just hate me or whatever. You're like, you're so unhinged. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Chad, there, there were so many moments where someone accuses Chad of being violent and he like could not hear it. Um, he said to, to Chris, I haven't started anything. I'm just defending myself. Right. And meanwhile, when he's on that two-on-one date, so she calls him out. So first she goes with Alex and Alex is like warning her. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when she pulls, when she pulls Chad aside, she starts asking him about it and he doesn't really, he doesn't really deny it. Right. He's like, kind of like, well, I had well, to. He says, I'm not an aggressive guy. Right. Which is ridiculous. But then she starts to get pissed off. She's like, why are you smiling? Um, yeah. And he makes it like the other guys are crazy. Yeah. And then she says that it's never okay to, to threaten others um, and says that she's not okay with it. And she gets really upset that she has to remove herself. But this is the amazing thing where we really get how unhinged Chad is. So Chad goes back to where Alex is and he, again, he knows he's on camera. Like what you can't, and when you have emotions that are this unhinged, you can't help yourself but say what you're gonna say even when the cameras are rolling. So he goes, I'm not happy with you. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. So this is him trying to control himself. Right? And it sounds like a parent talking to a child. But I think he's trying, and you'll, you see he's smiling. Like he's trying yeah. really hard to yeah. hold himself together. Um, and he says, life ain't all blueberries and paper airplanes. You know what I mean? And then Alex says, we could definitely agree on that. And then Chad says, it's just unfortunate that I can't hurt you right now without getting in trouble. 
So he was just told by Jojo that threatening somebody is never okay with her, right? Yeah. And he is on a show to be with her, and now he's literally in the next second threatening him um, because he just, he can't help himself. And Alex is like, that's what you do. You have to talk about violence. And then he, she just like dumps Chad and they walk and she walks away with Alex and he can't, you see him, he's like roaming aimlessly around the woods. Like he doesn't know what to do with himself because what does a narcissist do when he gets rejected? Like how do you even, yeah. where, where do you put that rage? Yeah, his, his rage, his sound bites, um, of rage are so specific. Like he tells Alex, um, I'm going to bring your teeth home. Oh, I missed that one. Really specific. Yeah. The cutting um, the limbs off of everybody. Yes. I, this is the, I, I had to pause it and then listen in like three second chunks to write this down. So I feel like it has to make the podcast only cause I put so much effort, <laughs> but he said, this is like, when Chris confronts him about his his interaction or altercation with Evan, he leaves the conversation with Chris. Chris is basically like, we're going to have security at the house now. And he says, this is Chad. I will physically have to hurt you. I want to cut everyone here's legs off and arms off. And there's going to be torsos. And I'm going to throw them in the pool. That was right after being spoken to about you better not be threatening anybody. Yes. Like, it's like a horror movie. Like, Chad, Chad imagines his time at the, at the mansion, the bachelor mansion, as, like, this Michael Douglas falling down, you know, bloodbath dream sequence i don't even know it's so freaky and yeah and the other so then they show they cut it back to him after he gets kicked off like i don't know if they were just splicing things together but they show him at the door of the house and they're like chad's at the house and then it goes to a commercial or something and then it's just onto a different segment like did yeah, it happened? Did he go back to the house? Like, what happened? It was just the editing of the show where they get you to think that something happened, but really it was probably just like a different Chad. night. Yeah, yeah, like Chad going on a walk and coming back. That was annoying. That pissed me off. I was like, oh, he came back. He totally came back. All right. So, Chad, I mean, first up first, I will say this in terms of like Chad, and I'll say it with Jack. So, Jack's. Get, is quoted on Vanderpump Rules talking when he's like in a state of like, when you can tell like he's just like is about to like burst. Um, he says, you know, it's like I ate so much and then like I started to like gain weight so then like I started taking all this Adderall and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, fucking duh. Like even if you're not on roids, like if you, if you are medicating yourself and you feel a little unhinged, step one is to come off of the medication that you're taking. You're not acting yourself. You know, if you're, if you're taking, I don't know if Jax, I don't think Jax has been prescribed Adderall for any good reason, but if you're taking that and you feel like Jax talks about how he feels like his brain is sprained because he's like, it's just, I mean, we could talk for, I have a feeling I'm about Jax. this to my cue. It's just, 
deconstructing Jacks. I don't know if he deserves the airtime, but like it's it's talk about unhinged. But if you are if you are using substances and then presenting yourself in a way that that you don't like or feeling like you're you know the first step is actually probably to like cut back on or stop the substances so you can come in touch with like what it feels like to be as in control as you possibly can be. Mm -hmm. You know, just to get a baseline. Where are we at? Where are we at here? <laughs> you know, just to get an idea. So step one for Chad would be like, I mean, get off of the, whatever you're juicing with, like there's something. Well, and the guys were trying to help him out with that because they kept relocating protein <laughs> When they did the protein powder, like ashes throw to like say goodbye to him, it was beautiful. It was, it was really, really cute. I, I have to say that like, I'm shifting a little away from Chad. So tell me if that's okay. I don't want to totally answer Totally fine. No, we're good. That this is just sort of a general statement about this season. Most of these men I watched and was like, these are just not the type of guys that I am interested in. It felt like Jojo must have a type or I have a type, which I very much think that I do. But, but like there, there were moments where I just was like, there's maybe two guys in this whole season that like I probably would have connected with. Yeah, and, and they were doing this scene where the guys were all singing the song about Jojo. That was my favorite part because oh. it was so cheesy. <laughs> like I know I would have been Chad and on the couch and being like, what is wrong with you people? But I think that to me was why it was so funny because you know Derek or Wells, those are the types of guys that like I can connect with. Um you give me guys like Chase and Daniel and Robbie and Chad and Jordan and I just don't know what to do with them. Like I, I'm not someone who's going to date like a pro athlete or someone who is like, you know, lifting, using their suitcase and hanging from the rafters of a house. Like it's just not my type of guy. But the fact that these huge, like buff, like athletic, you know, guys are sitting around singing a song together about this girl that they've known for like two weeks. Like it feels so bye bye birdie. And, <laughs> and like, I just, I, that you put that with like Jordan Rogers. I just, I can't like, it does not compute, which is why it's so funny to me. Like, I get that. I feel like it made me just feel like it reiterated for me why I could never be on this show. Like <laughs> as, as the Bachelorette, full-fledged, or as a contestant on The Bachelor, because I would never, I would, I just don't, oh, this is the other thing that I was thinking of, I'm kind of segueing, but like, I would never do it. It's basically, the, I'm not gonna, unless I'm doing it tongue-in-cheek, it's like a joke. Like, I would never do that shit. I agree, but I think that's part of why these guys singing was so funny to me. Because if you had given me a lineup of 30 men and said, you have to pick the men that are going to sing songs about a woman on national TV that they've made up, I, I would have told you none of these guys would have done it. Like, so it was just so 
like awkwardly ridiculous that these were the guys that were doing it. It reminded me, I keep bringing up Bryce, but it reminds me of Bryce's song on the keyboard, right? When he, okay, um, in Too Hot to Handle. Like it just, the whole thing. But the other thing that I was thinking about, um, oh my God, I just lost it again. We will come back to it later because I completely lost where I was going. So I really didn't feel attached to any of these guys either. I don't know if I've ever felt attached to any of the guys or if I'm ever like rooting for somebody. I don't feel like in the clip show I get enough that I would feel that way. And it's just, there's such a cheese and rush factor in the show that I just, yeah, there's no, there's no substance. It doesn't feel like any depth. Well, I don't um, know that you get the chance to root for a couple in this recap way. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, there's no, there's no depth to it. There's no investment. I'm not going to yeah. see them in a week. You know, it's just tonight. So, um, so I, I recognize Der- Derek was on Bachelor in Paradise when we watched yeah. it. Right? So I recognized him. Um, so I thought it was interesting how JoJo handled being the Bachelorette after having seen how her season played out when she was a contestant on The Bachelor. Yeah. Um, never said I love you till the very end, but didn't mean that she didn't lead anybody on. It's not always the words that you're saying. And I just yeah. can't, I get it again that this is how the show works, but like, this if this is my life and I'm going to live my life with somebody, then screw you if somebody outside is going to tell me how long I have to decide what I'm going to do, you know? And I think she kind of got there. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but like, because we saw her with um, Jordan at the end, the fact that they, they just dated, like they're now engaged and it's like four years later or whatever. And they were supposed to get married, but, but because of Corona, they couldn't, that at least felt good to me that they left and then they were like, now let's see, okay, good, we finished the show. Now let's see if we'll, this will work. You know, they still did the yeah. whole song and dance of getting on one knee, but then it was like, where are we really in our relationship? And let's be honest now that we're off the show about where we are really. Like, we're not going getting I there. Really, I, I really liked seeing their interview. Yes. Um, their, their where are they now interview because they said, you know, the first year was really tough. Um, and that they weren't sure if they were gonna like make it. Um, so, so they kind of, you know, pulled back the curtain on this whole bachelor thing of like, once you're off the show, it's all like, you know, amazing and wonderful and whatever. And they said like, there were times where we really struggled, but we decided that the two of us were gonna work it out together. That like we were committed to each other, we were gonna work through these issues together. And at the end of the day, that is what makes a relationship successful. Is that both people are willing to say, yes, I'm choosing you, which means whatever issues we have now and whatever issues we have moving forward, I am on board to work them out with you. Yes. So I loved that. And I loved that, like you're saying, they took their time. And I think they even used that phrase. They were like, we didn't want to rush this. We took our time. Um, and and I, I just thought that they came out as really authentic, you know, four years later. Yes. And that's, I did love that. So like, if we're going to then say that you're going to like 
bachelor get engaged, but then actually leave and like, really it's considered like, this is the point where I'm going to be exclusive with one person. Cause really all but five minutes before you got engaged, you were also dating somebody else. And that's not really how things should go, right? There's a period of time where you see someone exclusively where you're kind of testing out, could I commit a life with this person? And is he available to commit the same kind of life to me? Yes. And then you move forward and you kind of test that water out. Now I realize that different people from different cultures get married and do things differently, but I'm speaking like mainstream American culture that you try that out and then if it works and it feels like it's working and you're willing to like stick that out with that person and make that commitment, then you get engaged and then you get married, right? That's the progression. So, so I liked the fact that they, they were unapologetic and at least being like, yeah, whatever, we got, we got engaged. Like I totally asked her to marry me there. But like, then we also like did our due diligence before actually, you know, deciding that we're going to move forward, actually stay together. Um, so the other things were like, I, I mean, I had a couple things. I don't know if there's any like other guy that you really want to talk about. I'll let you take the lead there because I, I, like um, I, said, I wasn't so invested in anyone. I think it was a little messed up what she did, what it appeared that she did to Chase. So I, Chase was one that I would be willing to talk about. And then Derek, I think we could talk about as well. Cause he, um, you know, was emotional on the show in in that she let him go and he cried but then you see him in the car and he's like trying to self-soothe and say don't cry and and so i thought it was an interesting it allowed us to kind of see the the expectation put on men um and and chase is really similar like the the things i would want to talk about the both of them are kind of how their upbringing and their experiences have informed how they date. Um, yeah, I like that. So let's do that. Let's do that. Um, so with Derek, I like that when he came back on, he was like, I have my tissues ready. Like he embraced the side of him that showed emotion and he did call it out and say, I was brought up that I shouldn't cry. And then I just kind of did it. And it kind of ripped off that bandaid for like, not only did I do it, but I did it for like, the, on a national television show where everyone saw it yeah. and I always kind of embrace it if I remember with him on Bachelor in Paradise he cried often on that show didn't he yeah he's cry. <laughs> it's like a yeah. he's now been in like two relationships from Bachelor in Paradise and he and he very much is someone who is will wear his emotions on his sleeve if need be um and and like I've never thought of him as it comes it it rings true to me it doesn't feel like he's playing a part like he feels real yeah i didn't i didn't get that from him like he's playing a part either um the thing i wanted to talk about with with chase mm -hmm. so chase came from a divorce yeah. um <clears throat> and they do show a lot of chase in this clip show like i if i had to guess earlier who she would end up with i would have said chase because they just keep showing him like they show the yoga class with chase they just keep, yeah. he's popping up he's like the stream and i think that's what i thought was a little annoying about the clip show was that 
Jordan and Robbie, when they kind of came up, I had no investment in them, even in that two hours. So they just didn't show them. I just knew it was Robbie because somebody outed, I think it was Derek in his interview. He's like, I'm so happy for her and Jordan. And I was like, okay, good. So she ends up with Jordan. Like now I know. And then I yeah, was they like, keep doing that where they don't show the final two until the end, but you don't really build a connection with them because of that. Yeah. Well, when they did the well, the season with Caitlin, they at least showed because Nick came in in such an, a weird way. They showed him. So I had some sense of them but but tonight this night it wasn't it wasn't that um so the whole thing with chase is that he doesn't say that he loves you it's very hard to say because of the divorce and and the way that he was brought up and they actually mm -hmm. show him with his sister discussing it and then they get into they have the the fantasy sweet night and she keeps trying to like kind of push him to say that he loves her there's some pressure that seems to be there because he knows when he actually says it that he had he says it in such a way that we know that she's been trying to get him to say it and then the second he says it she like from that her initial gut reaction right after he says it she decides that she doesn't actually love him and she's not gonna have sex with him and she like dumps him right afterwards so then he starts his brain starts making the connection of uh I shouldn't have said it because if I, sa I said I love you and then you jump me right afterwards, like I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say it. It like reinforced that that um, false belief, the negative belief. Yeah. And I thought it was really important because this was her own shit. You know, what, what he could have walked away saying was like, look, I said I love you and I'm surviving. I was able to say it. I was able to feel it. You know, in this is what we go through with our with our clients, the idea that when something negative happens, which initially the negativity was his, his parents' marriage and the divorce and everything. That was the initial, initial place where it was. And, and not just the divorce. It's not like all kids whose parents get divorced are all screwed up. It's not that. It sounds like the way the divorce happened, what went on afterwards, like it, it's yeah. a lot of different things that go into it. He, from there, was like, okay, I don't say I love you to people until I know for sure that they love me. So I know that they're not going to leave me. Um, and then here he says he loves her and then she leaves. It makes sense that his brain would be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And he's actually has that verbal dialogue. Like I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that or monologue. Yeah. You see he, and he's pissed. Yes. And I love that. Good for him. Cause what she did, guess what? Was shitty. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So I did not feel like she was as shitty to him as you're describing and part of me wonders is that because i watched the original season and so imprint, imprinted in my brain is how this date actually went down and i'm not really remembering so this is kind of conjecture but and therefore the the clips show that we're watching is not really portraying it in the same way or is it that like some of the things he said earlier on in the show make me feel like his response when she ends it is inauthentic. Um, not inauthentic, but like just doesn't match up because he says he's looking for the it feeling very early on. And I, that to me like gets my spine straight. Cause I'm like, there's no it feeling. I mean, we, we well, coach that that that's kind of a myth that there's well, never the same, a I guess, wave of emotion. Right. And that's, I think the same reason that I had such a reaction 
My mic is on the floor this whole time. <laughs> I really hope everyone could hear me for this entire podcast because I've been talking to a mic that's on the floor. I, I've been able to hear you just fine, but I will say, I was like, why is our recording quieter today? Oh my God. So we'll listen back. I hope that it's okay. Well, Sorry, guys. I think it's going to be fine. Okay. Like, it, it wasn't so quiet. It just was like, Amy's quieter today than normal. And I thought it that's was my- That's why. <laughs> um, that's why. Okay. So him, when you were saying like it didn't, he was looking for the it factor and that kind of like ruffled your feathers, right? Yeah. That's what bothered me about her dumping him right after he said, I love you. So first of all, if you already know that you don't, you're not in love with somebody, don't fucking string them along until they say that they love you and then dump them. So that, if that was not what happened, then she thought she had really strong feelings for him, but needed, felt like she needed to hear it from, that he felt the same way. And then he said it, and then she had a gut reaction, which is the spark or not spark reaction, right? And then dumped him because she didn't have that spark. And okay. that's what triggered me because it was, it's the one or the other. You're either going on just like this weird, like tinge of feeling, which is, doesn't have substance below it. Yeah. And, and, or you knew on some level that you weren't feeling it with him and you still let him move forward and you, it sounded like she manipulated the situation in such a way that he got the message that he better own up and say that he loves her or else he's going to get the boot. And then she flipped it. He said it and he, she got, you know, it just, yeah, I think that's, that's something weird played out. Something. And I think, I think I'm always quick to blame the show, like the editing of the show, because by the time you get to these, the last three dates which is what he's on it's the fantasy suite date where like you go and you spend a night together in a in a hotel without the cameras or the cameras turn off at a certain point that that's when he shared this with her but there is this unstated or maybe stated in their contract rule that that's when you're supposed to get serious about your feelings if you haven't already so I don't even know that she was the one putting the pressure on him or was it the show? But I, I might be giving her too much credit. In the clip show, it was implied that it was her. Okay. She might have been pressured by the show to then pressure him, but. Yeah. And then on the heels of the like, kiss me, kiss me note that went, you know, I thought that that might be some of her style to like kind of let people know what she needs, which is totally fine. But you didn't need this if you were like, then I don't know, they're just. I was torn because she shouldn't just sleep with him because now they're in the fantasy suites. I don't think that's the right thing yeah. to do either. But to have the options be that she either sleeps with him or dumps him felt that, and that's also the, how the show is built. So that's not mm -hmm. necessarily her either. Um, and that's what I would say to him too, that the situation was really more, his situation that he was in where you say somebody, say you love them and then they dump you is more more has to do with this show so it's like if you're fragile like that and this is not the place to go to work your shit out like there was yeah, another... I, sorry go ahead i just i definitely agree i mean this is this is not a show for anyone who is still trying to figure out how to approach a relationship when they've had a challenging relationship in the past um which is very much why I know that I would not have 
done well on this show when I was single, having recovered from a challenging relationship or in, was in the process of recovering from toxicity in, in a relationship. So I know that that's true for me, but, but talking to you about it does help me to kind of see that, that she could have handled this in a, in a better way and in a way that would be more respectful of his past and some of yeah. his, his or just fear. Uh, right. There's just a, I hope he's fine and I, whatever that he got past it, but it's just, and again, he's not, nobody on this is like, like, especially at this point when you're this many seasons in, like if you're going to go on the show, like there was another part where when Robbie is driving away, they're driving Robbie away. He says, she told me she loved me and wouldn't let me get down on one knee. In what world is that? Okay. And I'm like, you're on the bachelor, like in this world, in the, literally the world of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, that's like the name of the game. Like, I just, it just, there's so many lines, like one-liners where people are just like, I can't believe it. Like, why would this happen? And it's like, you signed up for this shit. Like. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> why are we surprised? Yeah, Ro I don't like Robbie, so. I was not a fan of Robbie's either. And I also had nothing, there was nothing invest, I had no investment in him because I saw him for the last five minutes or 10 minutes of the show, you know? Yeah, I, there was, I, I just know I don't like him from like seeing the whole season, seeing him on Bachelor in Paradise. He's the, he's the other guy that dated Amanda, mom, Amanda with the two girls. Okay. Oh. Like just took advantage of her from what I gather. But there was a moment in this, season where remember when Daniel the Canadian jumps into the pool I think he's naked or he like strips down and he, he has jumps his underwear on yeah okay and and everyone's outside it's clearly during the middle of like a rose ceremony party and Robbie's talking to Jojo and Jojo hears that someone's jumping in the pool so she like turns around and is like what's going on and when she turns around Robbie's like focus oh no and that to me was like you're such a narcissist like interesting so i didn't pick up on that because i didn't i also don't know all of robbie's stuff like i didn't know yeah. anything about where else he landed in bachelor in bachelor nation um yeah i that so we talk about a lot of things where where your skin should potentially crawl a little bit and you should be a little mm -hmm. bit weary like that is one of them. And then when you get Chad calling her a nag, like there's certain things, yeah. you know, like I have, I've been married now for coming up on 15 years. And, um, those words have never come out of my husband's mouth. Right. Same. Nor have I said this shit like that to him. Yeah. It but it's, it's just, it's yeah, it is. It's just, yeah, it's very, yeah, there, there are signs and it's not to say, it's not to say that if the second somebody says something like that, that you know for sure, but like you, I, my radar would definitely go up if that was said to me. Yeah. It's like a, a memory you put in your back pocket and yep. see, like, does it happen again? Interesting that he, I mean, maybe that was the only place where he got triggered, but yeah, for him to get, he got almost to the end. Mm-hmm. 
So that's what I want to say about this week. <laughs> um, any last words? What are you thinking? Um, I was thinking if I remembered the song they sang about JoJo, we could JoJo, sing it. JoJo, <laughs> if you'd only know, we like your middle toe. We want to hug you so, JoJo. At the end, it was just JoJo's. JoJo, JoJo. And there was like multiple scenes of them singing it. It was like they were in one spot. And then they were like by a bar getting drinks. That's and they were so funny. It, it felt like a musical. It was fantastic. And someone, I don't know if they like all co-wrote that song or like somebody sat and wrote it. And then they came down and, he's, and he was like handing out song sheets. I mean, yes, imagining like, what happened, it was, it's, it's just fascinating. It's so, it's so like endearing, like, like after school special. <laughs> it's with these like huge guys. And I think for whatever reason, it's, it's funniest to me that Jordan Rogers is doing it. Um, I, I know you're not like a huge football person, but his brother is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And wow. Yeah, you're so impressed. <laughs> but um, but this is sort of a fun, we'll end on a fun fact. So Aaron Rodgers is like a really big deal. He does insurance commercials. So you probably have seen his face. Um, and when the Green Bay Packers were featured in Pitch Perfect. Oh, yeah. They exactly. do the like lip sync scene at the yep. pool. And there's like all those big giant football players that are singing. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers didn't sign on to be the movie, so Jordan Rogers did that scene. Oh. So that was him. Very cool. I love yeah. it. That's <laughs> listen, I can't I can't really identify with football, but pitch perfect. Then you got me. <laughs> you got me hundred percent. So there you are. Very accessible. There you are. Um, all right, guys, have a great, great day. I hope you heard me. If I go back to the replay, Jen, we might have to re-record this because you can't hear my voice. I, I think that it's fine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll re-record if we need to. Sounds good. All right, guys, have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Successful, Single, and Not Willing to Settle, the podcast. Can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Successful Single Female. Check out our website at www.successfulsinglefemale.com or check us out on YouTube at Successful Single and Not Willing to Settle. Have a wonderful day and don't forget to not settle.